So tonight, we are closing out uh, the series that we've been doing for October, looking at uh, the Reformation, and as we uh, prepare to commemorate the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther kicking off uh, what would become known as the Reformation. Uh, that'll be on this Tuesday, which, uh, by the way, is we're having a special service in here, uh, Interfaith Chapel Service. Um, featuring our uh, Lutheran chaplain and our Catholic chaplain um, bringing the message. Uh, so that should be really great as a little quick advertisement for what's coming on Tuesday. And that's going to be Tuesday in here at noon with a small reception to follow, which also will include food. So uh, that helps bring you out. Uh, so we're continuing in this series as we talk about Martin Luther. And so... As you'll hopefully recall, we've gone through Sola Ecclesia, which is the one church alone, which we did for uh, World Communion Sunday, reminding us that we are one church body, one global, international, uh, interdenominational faith. And then we did Sola Fides, uh, faith alone. Uh, and last week we did Sola Gratia, which is grace alone. So we're reminded in our divisions among different denominations, traditions, that there is only one holy church. And in the church, we are a people who live by faith alone and not by the works we do. Through grace alone do we find faith in God's everlasting forgiveness and love, something we're not able to do, able to earn, and thankfully don't have to because it is a free gift of God already given to us, overflowing in us. And today we're closing out this series with Soli Deo Glory, for the glory of God alone. Now, in the context of the other solas that we've covered, they were how we live a life in Christ, but today we're answering the question more of why. What is it that those of us living by grace through faith are pursuing? And the answer is rather simple, sort of, to give God the glory. But what does that mean? Uh, as I sat down to write my sermon this week, I thought of the word glory, and I had to stop and think about what does the word glory really mean to me? Um, and so I posted on Facebook to try and see what others might say that comes to mind when they think of glory, because, you know, glory is kind of one of these abstract things when you really start to think about it. If you saw glory, would you be able to point to it? Can we say there's, if there's glory in this room right now? Maybe. Uh, so some of the answers I got is maybe um, you're thinking of fame. Someone who has glory has fame. Or maybe you're sh here thinking of someone shouting, Oh, glory, hallelujah, in church. Maybe some churches have people are, are uh, well, I want to say allowed, but... Um, it's much more welcome to speak out in church. And so you might hear someone go, glory, hallelujah. And so that's what you, can, you think of. And so maybe in that sense, glory is kind of like, yay. Uh, maybe you think of being glorified or glory of uh, the victory in battle. Or maybe you hear it as a way of giving God thanks. Maybe you think of the song Glory by John Legend. Or maybe you hear it as uh, our 
university chaplain said whenever he thinks of the word glory, he thinks of bright lights and gleaming and, gl and glistening and shining. Someone mentioned on the Facebook the movie Blades of Glory, <laughs> which if you haven't seen it, all you need to know about it is it's a really bad Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> Uh, and I'll leave there, that there. So all of these different things, if, if you go on my Facebook, you can see the long list of things that came out of, uh, that people brought up of what glory means to them. And it's interesting when we start to look at the original languages. Uh, so when we look at the Hebrew, glory is defined as a heaviness or having great weight to it. Um, and then I learned from our Muslim chaplain that in Arabic, the similar word for glory uh, means to rise to the top. So if you think about oil and water and how uh, the oil rises to the top. And look at me, I'm knowing science stuff. <laughs> Yay, science. <laughs> uh, and then in the, in the Greek, it can mean an opinion, uh, estimate, or and hence the honor resulting from a good opinion. So you have glory when you have a good idea or a good opinion or a good estimate. And so all these things connect with glory. All of these things that I mentioned before, all of these things from the ancient languages. And I think when I think of glory, what I think of most often is being lifted high. If I glorify God, I'm lifting God on high. I praise the name of Jesus, glorifying Jesus. It's lifting on high. But then one of my favorite, we'll say, twists on this comes from Paul. In uh, Romans 11:36, which is from our text this evening, Paul says, For him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Now, one of the commentators described this as Paul who had written this letter, it's now in chapter 11 of Romans, so getting towards the end of the book of Romans, uh, Paul has written this letter, made his case, and he is now stepping back and going to gaze at the wonder of God's glory and majesty. Something that Paul reminds us that we've somewhat failed to do throughout the biblical narrative, to step back and recognize God's glory, to see the glory of God. Paul opens in Romans 1, uh, 21, saying, Though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Speaking of uh, the time before this. And then follows in chapter 3 with a reminder that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So, Paul is writing to the people, the, to the people in Rome, to the church in Rome, and telling them about how we were before and how we failed to honor God. Um, and this is kind of a repeated pattern that we had. But then he says, and then uh, he lifts up Abraham in chapter 4, saying that he grew in faith, and as he did so, he gave glory to God. So Abraham, who we know was the one who initiated covenant with God in the beginning, um, God made covenant to make a great people from Abraham. And after that time, uh, as Abraham grew in his faith, he gave God the glory. 
And then in chapter 5, he, Paul moves into telling us about how we have been given Christ. And in Christ, through the grace of Christ, we now have hope and give God glory because glory has been restored. And so all of the times that we have fallen short, all of the ways in which we have failed to live up to God's glory, we've failed to give God the glory, failed to recognize God's glory, Paul says, and Christ came so that we might be restored, so we might be renewed, and so that glory would be restored. So Paul is writing to us and telling us of God's great glory. Telling us of how glorious God is, how glorious we should recognize God is everywhere and always and in all things to give God glory. That's where this, this uh, sola deo gloria comes from. The idea that in all things we should be recognizing that we should be giving God glory in every, everything and everywhere, all times, all places. Recognizing the glory of God. In some ways, glory is something that is, is hard to grasp, though, and God's glory may be difficult to see. And so maybe we should think about it better as not so much us engaging in God's glory as we are reflections of God's glory. There's a scientific term for reflection that's called albedo, uh, which is a measurement of how much sunlight a celestial body reflects. So, for example, the planet Venus has the highest albedo at 0.65, or 65% of the light that hits Venus is reflected. Now, depending on where it's at in its orbit, the, uh, we'll call it the almost planet Pluto, has an albedo ranging from 0.49 to 0.66, or 49%, or 66%. Now, our nightlight, the moon, has an albedo of 0.07, meaning only 7% of sunlight is reflected. So the sun is reflecting off of these, and that is the light we see. So when we look into the night sky, when we see the moon, that is the sun reflecting off of those things. Um, and if you think about how bright the moon is, if it's got that smallest albedo, uh, when we start to think of ourselves as having a spiritual albedo, it's God's glory shining down on us. God's magnificent, gracious glory, the goodness of God shining down on us, and then we are reflections of God's glory into the world. It makes this idea that of recognizing God's glory just a little easier to understand when we think about that we don't produce the light. It's not our job to produce the glory of God. It's just our job to reflect it. And as we begin to see more of that glory, as we are continually transformed by the renewing of our minds, this causes us to react, react and to glorify God, to react and glorify God even more. 
verse 12 to J.B. Phillips translates this way, don't let the world around you squeeze, don't let the world around you squeeze into its mold. I think I left a word out there. Um, basically saying that we shouldn't let the world squeeze us into a mold of figuring out of what the world says we should be. That we should be transformed by the glory of God. That we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is, again, continuing with what Paul wrote in our uh, scripture this evening. That as we, as we begin to see more of the glory of God, recognize the glory of God everywhere we go, as that, as that mount of light that shines from us, reflecting off of us, as that grows, we are transformed and renewed. And then we begin to live differently. And so that everything that we're doing, it's not for our glory, but for God's glory alone. That's again this principle of, to, of for God's glory alone that came from the Reformation. This idea that everything we're doing is for God's glory. Every little thing. Part of the way I thought about this uh, was to think about the, the idea of survival of the fittest. So in survival of the fittest, the idea is that the most fit will survive, right? Anybody? Yes? Am I getting this right? So those who, who struggle to the top survive, and that's what, what sur lives out in, uh, as the species perpetuates. Those who have wrestled their way and been survivors. Oftentimes, that's much to uh, pushing the aside of others, right? It's, it means inherently there are those who are not making it. There are those who don't survive, those who were not fit. Now, this is a principle that we find in nature, and maybe we find it also in humanity just a little bit as we live our lives, people who are scrapping their way to the top. Interesting thing about this is God actually says, well, that is the principle, but we're going to reverse it. And rather than it being survival of the fittest, uh, I want it to be survival of all. And as the believers in Christ, we are called to be people who live that out. Who rather than take and do things for my glory and to raise myself to the top, I'm going to set my own glory aside and do things for God's glory. Do things to live into the kingdom of God, to live into where God is calling us to be, to try and live into a world that God is calling us to be reflections of, that kingdom, that holy place where all are equal and all have found equity and all have found that place where we are no longer on the uneven playing field, but all are lifted up. And so that my priority isn't me, it's the ideals of God. And so every day, we can endeavor to be like Abraham, who was growing in his faith, and we glorify God more. We live each day from our waking to our sleeping, endeavoring to glorify God, to do all things for the glory of God. Everything we do, everything we do, everything. 
I'm going to challenge you here for a second to think about what your average day is like. All the things, or even maybe all the things that you've done today. Without answering this out loud, what are the things that you can say with certainty you have done for the glory of God? Which would you say you certainly have not? Now, there may be some things in the middle that you have trouble categorizing as for the glory of God or not for the glory of God. Uh, there's always that question of brushing your teeth, like, is that for the glory of God? Uh, there's the whole temple thing and, you know, honoring the body, but that's a whole other discussion. There may be some things you can, um, you can say are somewhere in the middle, but I want you to focus for a moment on those things that are certainly not. Let's focus on those places that we didn't do things for the glory of God. Now, hindsight is 2020, so we also get to be a little um, more critical of ourselves looking back. It doesn't mean necessarily in that moment we meant to do anything, but think about um, what you might change. Did you find yourself having a certain attitude today? Maybe you were passive-aggressive rather than confronting a, situ a situation Maybe you allowed the stress you're feeling to be taken out on another. Maybe you told a lie when you should have told the truth. Maybe you did something selfish. Maybe you've made something like, say, schoolwork or achievements an idol in your life. Maybe you dot, 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 fill in the blank here, of whatever it is that you in your life today say, I did not do for the glory of God. Well, if we're being called by God to give God the glory in all things, that means in everything. So part of that hindsight is not just that we can recognize where we fell short, but to say, how in the future can I do this better? How can I work to give God the glory in all things? How could I have given God the glory in that moment? Now, that's obviously not a light burden. But when we do, the light of God's glory shines ever brighter in us. The more we seek after God, the deeper we delve into our faith, the more we find the depths of God's goodness and grace, and the more we recognize and find God's glory. And the more we recognize, the more we can share it with others so that the whole world might be transformed. And I'll give you this little caveat, like I say in most things, that is, we will not be perfect at this. Right? Perfection is not something we achieve this side of eternity. But, here's the really good news. God has not asked perfection of us. Only persistence. To persistently seek God's grace and to grow into God's glory, and then to share it with others. Amen.